We there yet? We there yet? The podcast with Rich Kiamko. Uh, that's me. <laughs> so we're here live with Rob Ryan, a comedian who I just met. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were at Greenwich Village Comedy Club, mm-hmm. and I just thought you were so funny. Hey, thank you. Uh, and I also thought, oh my God, your joke about your family. I was like, it's it, so you you have a uh, you're available now on on iTunes, Pandora. Yeah. And it's your special is called. Uh, it's called Rob Ryan, non-alcoholic. That's, yeah. Uh, that's the debut album I came out with. Uh, it only released just a few months ago, uh, and I'm really excited about it. It's great stuff. It's called non-alcoholic. Uh, to yeah. Sort of segue into what we're about to talk about is is because uh, I don't I don't drink alcohol. My uh, mother was an alcoholic when I was growing up, and that sort of just deterred me from wanting to to do that. Right. Uh, I mean, the thing that the thing that grabbed me was you're doing jokes about it, mm-hmm. and you just talked about, and I was like, oh my god, this premise sounds too real to not be real. Oh yes. Because the whole <laughs> thing of having you got to decide about a restraining order on your mother. Yeah. <laughs> At age 16? That's amazing. Sure. I, I could talk about that for an hour. Sure. And, and, <laughs> I mean, hopefully. not just, I want to talk about a lot of things, but <laughs> I just love that you were wielding that power at 16. Yeah. Uh, the audience uh, likes it too. I, I, it, it's taken me a long time, and hopefully, you know, this will be, I know this is sort of a, a, a discussion of artistry on, on your show. So It's about anything on your okay. journey. So just no, there's yeah, no, the yeah. journey, right? Right, right. Um, but this was a big the the I think the big story for me and the thing that I've been grappling with most is this journey of um, being able to process this information and then make it funny as a comedian. I've been doing comedy for for ten years and uh, honestly, with the album being finished um, and that being a culmination of like you know the eight or nine years that I was just farting around trying to figure out how to write jokes. Uh, I was able to come up with, you know, an hour's worth of material that I'm really proud of and happy to put out. Mm. Uh, with that done, and with me in just a much better place, you know, I can come up with jokes faster, I can write them better, uh, I can come up with an idea and go from concept to completion in a, a much more shorter period of time with much better results now, just being a more seasoned comic. Right. Uh, the idea of just going back to the, to the drawing board and just continuing the same process of writing some joke about some random thing uh, started to, uh, you know, feel lackluster to me. Right. And I knew that I had this other big um, uh, cloud hanging over me, which was uh, all these things that made me me and uh, my childhood, my family's uh, circumstances and, and some sort of tragedies that have befallen uh, me and my family, and I realized that I wanted to do more comedy when it came to that. Right. The reason that even that my first album is called Non-Alcoholic is because of these sort of humble beginnings of me start, starting to realize and appreciate how much audiences more and more would like to just get to know you. Um, hence, people even listening to week after week, hours and hours of podcasts, they're not polished material. It's not. Right. Um, sh- it's not the the most best written jokes or even interviews. No offense, right. <laughs> but they are. Right, right. But they they do get to the heart of being more honest and real, and you get to get inside someone's head a bit. 
And I noticed people who are big fans of podcasting, like, oh, you know, she just got her dog and they just broke up and whatever. <laughs> it's just like this funny little soap opera that these people are living through. And I, it, it, it took me a very long time to appreciate that, that so many people out there are willing to, they want to know more about um, even the comedians that they follow or even just, you know, random strangers who have something interesting to say. My first uh, sort of foray into that was when I started for the very first time to do any jokes about me just not drinking alcohol, for example. Right. And it was super uncomfortable to even just make that, that, that pronouncement to the audience because, you know, people are drinking and nobody in my life has ever, it's always been a, like a point of contention or like a weird, like, oh, you don't? And then there's all these follow-up questions and whatever. And I'm not the first comic to talk about it. Jim Gaffigan's got some funny jokes about not drinking and, and a couple others as well. But I remember, and this was a few years ago, I remember just being super, like, I would say it and I would be uncomfortable. And you probably know when, you know, when you say something that you're not comfortable about, you know, even just a tad bit, the audience picks up on that. Right, And they become right. ultimately uncomfortable. So you think it's them, but it's really you. And you're like, oh, I have to get more comfortable saying this. Right. I can say anything as long as I'm just saying it with confidence. And they're like, oh, I guess we have to go along with this. So I started to do a joke uh, about how I don't drink alcohol. And that's what I would say. And then I would notice the tension in the room, or that's originally. So then I just turned the joke into like immediately calling out that, that tension. Uh, I don't drink. Uh, and then I just say immediately, like, I know people don't really like that. People hate that. People, and then I came with the idea that people much prefer if you quit drinking. You know, they, <laughs> they really like that. Like, if right. I got out here and I was like, hey, man, sober, 10 years, everyone's like, woo, rock on, you're the man. But if I get out here and I'm like, hey, I never drink, everyone's like, pussy, I don't understand <laughs> you. Like, why don't you drink and then quit so I can respect you? <laughs> right, right, right. And just like the, the light up in people's eyes and the nods of approval and like, yeah, that's, that is what I was but thinking. They, but they get it. Yeah, that yeah. There's, a, there's a social yeah. act yeah. that you're addressing. And I just love that you were speaking into that. And that is when they go from, oh, am I going to trust this guy to, oh, he, he gets what I'm thinking. And that's crowds really, really like that when you know when you're able to call out almost exactly what's going through their heads. They just are like, oh, it's a, there's a lot of trust there. So, I've been doing comedy at this point for many years. I've had plenty of great shows. I'd already been, you know, featuring, headlining. Uh, but remarkably, I rem I distinctly remember people never really truly recalling who I was or what right. it is that I said. Right, right. And maybe you've had this experience too. You have a good show. And then, and then people are like, hey, that was really funny. But you just know for a fact that they don't remember what it is that you said. And they really don't remember your name. They do remember you making them feel good. They remember that general vibe of like, oh, that was fun. You were fun. That was great. Right, 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 right. But they couldn't recall some bit that you did. And it, it always bothered well, me. Well, it's a kind of intimacy, right? Like to, there's a level of intimacy when you reveal something more personal. I mean, not every right. comic does that. Exactly. But I feel right. like... I notice, like other people I work with, they're so they're, they're revealing so much about themselves in a funny way, but that's also very honest and vulnerable. Yeah. It's to me, I love that. So that's when you were doing what you're doing. Like, oh my god, this is great. <laughs> I'm so glad that, and and even other comics. So this is another good example. Uh, only when I started to even scratch the surface of things that were true of me or mattered to me, 
did other other comedians also start to you know it sunk in a little bit more oh yeah comics they like good jokes too so if you have a really well crafted joke um a comic will be first like oh, i love that joke that you do and they'll remember it like almost word for word right that's right just how our, our minds think the audience you know unless you unless you've got a topic that you just destroy like you know, uh, always Jim Gaffigan's like Hot Pockets comes to mind. I'm referencing him twice now, but you know, it's like it's like Hot Pockets are just ruined for people <laughs> once right, they right, know right. and have heard that bit. So unless you've got something like that, your average layperson um, who just comes to a comedy show occasionally doesn't like download the the wording of your joke exactly. And whatever. So even if you got a great joke about relationships, they heard you know seven or eight jokes about relationships that night, and it doesn't matter. And they go off on their way. Um, so I think that's what early advice for comics winds up being: is like, hey, write stuff about you. You know, stuff yeah, that the more specific going, more and specific. personal. Right, right. So um, I have a, always a roundabout way of, of, of chatting, but I, I get to the point. No so worries. <laughs> I'm all in with you. I'm all in. I'm here. I've so, dined another story. So. We get to this point where I have this kernel of realization that that as clever as I may be and as cute as the jokes that I come up with could be, that I would it would behoove me to get allow the audience to know who I really am more and and dive into that stuff. And I just started to do that with with these jokes about uh, me not drinking. And then I said I don't do any drugs. I kind of elaborate on that more. Um, and then I just find a funny angle, and the, the angle is that I'm not judging you for doing it, I am judging me for not. And, right, right. Uh, and I'll admit that that is just a ploy, <laughs> that, that is a tactic that right, I'm using right, right. But you, you, to get the audience to be like, oh, he's cool. Because then I wind up slipping in jokes about stoners anyway, I slip in jokes about people who do this and do that. Um, yeah, you do the joke about drunk dialing, and like that's great because you can blame it on the, uh, you know. Right, right. Uh, about you know people who are drunk dialing. I say that I do the same thing. I was like, well, I sober lonely dialing right. is not any better. You're right. just there the whole time for that. Right. So it, I like, yeah, I like likening the fact that people make drunken mistakes, and I was like, I make mistakes, but I just can't blame it on alcohol. I just, <laughs> I just have to live with my shitty decisions. Right. I remember uh, all of it. <laughs> so. You know, like being able to have that juxtaposition it allows the audience to go, oh, okay, he stopped making fun of me. You know, he's just ragging on himself. Uh, but I'm able to get the jokes in both. I'm able to poke at them and poke at myself. So right. all that is tactical. Um, but the idea of talking about from my perspective, that's that's hopefully um, just honest and good. So once the album came out, um, and I wanted to title it Non-Alcoholic, I liked, I liked that feeling, then here we are now it's only just a couple of months ago when i was tinkering around with the notion of saying well I, I there are more things about my life that are harder to get through and i was kind of happy about the reaction that i got even when i just delved into some of my own personal beliefs and stories a little bit right uh, but I, that's a turning point if you've been getting rewarded yeah for doing just good jokes, right. and you can headline and not reveal personal stuff. Yeah, it's like oh, you can get into that habit. I mean, I, you, yeah. you know, we can name lots of comics. We don't, they're very successful. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about what makes them tick. I know right. they're funny. Exactly. 
I think that that's probably somewhat generational too, because you know, if you go back even further, you know, you don't look at like Henny Youngman jokes and think that you're really <laughs> right. getting <laughs> right a uh, real relationship, a real, yeah, sense of who this guy is. Right. But more and more, as we share more of our lives uh, with our fans or just you know people in general on on social media, I think it's refreshing to yeah to start to break break down those even those fake social media walls and say no this is what I'm really thinking and feeling and people want to reward you with that I think um, um, uh, Pat Oswalt doing um, his special or Hannah Gatsby people refer to a lot about doing right. special, some really revealing yeah uh, intimate personal she, stuff she basically just did her all her trauma in a, yeah, in a show exactly uh, Neil Brennan's three mics was like almost like an anti, uh, kind of predates almost all that. And he still, held, I think, like held back by being like, well, let me do some jokes here, let me do some jokes here, and then let me tell you some story time. So it was almost like I, I'm, I'm putting it out there right from the front that this is a, a, a gimmick, we'll call it, um, but the most positive connotation of that word. Just it's a gimmick in that you know for a fact that when I'm here, I'm going to be telling you some real stories about my depression here is going to be one-liners and here's tip, typical stand-up. Right, was the, right. Uh, was the breakdown of his three-mic special. Right. But it was so cool, and I think what will end up being most memorable about it, uh, in part the gimmick, but then really just people getting to learn about this guy's, you know, what he really went through uh, as he was struggling through his, you know, his deepest uh, depression, which is really nice. Right. I mean, I think also that whole idea of ha the device of three different mics you know, I mean, this is that. It's this is you know pre Hannah Gatsby, mm -hmm. where he had this device so that people could have permission to go. Okay, this isn't going to be funny now, right? Or yeah. this is going to be a thing now. But where Hannah was just like, I'm just going to oh, keep this going. And she, <laughs> but she was already broadcasting ahead what was going to happen. Yeah. And I'm not rescuing you, but she is. But she's not. But she's actually using a punchline while she's not rescuing you. Right and and making her point and then making fun of her making a point. <laughs> yeah, Which right. I, all this and all this worked. But all the, worked. The people who didn't like Nanette, I just I think were glossing over all the stuff that she did. You know, she had to I, the way you put it. She had to. She was doing what Neil did without the device, and for some reason that that the comics lost their minds because how like, dare this is a, a stand-up comedy special. I'm like. I mean, neither, neither is three mics. <laughs> right. If you want to really right. say that. Right, right. But you like three mics, and and you should. You should like both. You know, uh, you can judge both, fine. But but she was trying to you know craft this structure where in which uh, we can get this this sad stuff in. But I'm not going to you know put a device in there to make it easier on me. I'm just going to kind of slowly transition into this you know heavier stuff. And I like that too. But now that it's out there and that sort of that nut's been cracked to a degree. Uh, it, all the more reason. I think even more people are more comfortable now blurring those lines. If you want to call it a one-man show or one-woman show, fine. Uh, right. If you, if you can't, as a stand-up comedy purist, say that this is stand-up comedy, I mean, fine. Then, then it's not stand-up comedy. Right, right. <laughs> I, I mean, what is it Mike Birbiglia's? Is, is, what is Sleepwalk with me? What right. Is, what is any of his shows? Right. He's a better stand-up than all of you. <laughs> and he's doing storytelling one-man shows better than you, too. So right. you want to judge him? It, it's, I always <laughs> feel like, you know, there's some sort of, who cares? Like music, people. There's a whole style of music, and then now there's something else, and then yeah. and, and no one's like, "Oh, well, I can't listen to that. I can't dance to that because I dance this way." Like, well, people are, are buying the music; they're playing it. Right. Who cares whether you call it pop or rock or adult contemporary? Adult contemporary, like 
Alanis Morissette when she came out was like ridiculous, and yeah. now it's adult contemporary <laughs> because it's so old. Yeah. But right. saying go down on her in a theater is now adult contemporary because <laughs> we have double penetration, bitches be whatever, you know, all this kind of horrible language that 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 line which was bleeped out. Right. Right. It's nothing now. It's a musical on Broadway. Right. You know, so and nobody cares. I mean, not really. It's brilliant. But I'm just saying who, how, how we evolve as a culture. Yeah. And so for that, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for what uh, Hannah Gatsby did because she just, she just took the brunt of all the, the criticism. And she had a lot of success with it too. Obviously. Yeah. Who, what does she care? She's yeah. on tour and she's selling out. <laughs> yeah. Hate me while I sell out. Right. Right. So all this stuff swimming around in my mind and also a sort of a deep uh, desire to get some things out uh, led me to just start really analyzing and delving into um, what the material that I wanted to do. The real, uh, and, and this is now me trying to create an hour show at least where uh, I just dedicated the, the fact that the next album, let's say, or the next show, the next chunk that I can that I would package is going to solely um, explore these topics about me, about um, the sort of the, the weird circumstances that I had as I was growing up as a kid, and then you know some of the tougher times that I had gone through. Um, the real inception for me wanting to do this was a shout out to uh, uh, Kate Wolf who. Oh, okay. Comic. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know her. She's uh, she does a show. I'm not actually sure if she's currently still doing it. I should I should double check on that. But she was doing a, a tarot card reading show. Oh, have okay. You ever done that show? Or I you haven't done it. No. With it? Oh, I'd love to. Um, so what? How does it work? I mean, I know Kate. I, she used to live in Jersey City. Now she's out in uh, Central Jersey. Ah, uh, okay, right, right. Col so Colonia, I think. I um, oh my gosh, I forget the the title of the show. But she was running it at a New York comedy club, and I'm pretty sure it was a monthly where she would have comics come on and she would have them um, tell some kind of story, uh, do stand-up, but then also just mention something that they're going through. And, you know, tough Oh, time, and she would do a story. reading? And then she would do on stage yeah, for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Oh, on my God. Stage, I got to call she'd her. She would do a tarot card reading uh, for you, and then she would she would try to heal and, and chat with you. And you would just sit like this on stage with the audience watching. It. And she would just say, I'm feeling this from you and that from you and, and, and whatever. And it was great. And I watched I watched two of those shows before I was invited on to do it. And uh, I was really kind of like looking forward to it. Most comics, I will admit, they they would kind of uh, they'd shortcut things a little bit. You know, they would just do the regular stand up, and then at the very 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 end, they would be like, oh, and also you know my my boyfriend and I are in fighting <laughs> or something. Oh, like that. so they really because not everyone's available emotionally to they, sit here and, and reveal. Yeah, yeah, or, or or that they were at least nervous about the fact that it was like, how am I going to fill eight minutes or ten minutes of this stuff? Like, I don't have jokes. I don't have material. There's still a crowd. We still want to be entertaining. Right. So to just haul off and start talking was weird for them. Uh, uh, okay. But that was fine. That was bit the structure of the show. We'll laugh a little bit, say what's going on in your life currently, maybe spend a few minutes, and then we'll do the tarot reading, right? Love it. So I was like, no, fuck that. I, I, I want to delve, delve into this. Like, I want everybody in the audience and her to know, like, where I'm at right now, I want the full ten minutes of my of my of my material, or eight to ten, whatever it was, to be about whatever I'm going through. Now, at the time, um, this is a while ago. This was almost two years ago now. So this was the real beginning of me being like, oh, I should explore this, but I I tabled it for a bit. Uh, I just 
uh, I was going through the deepest, darkest, worst depression I had had ever been through in my life, um, and it it you know stings right up until this moment. It's not something that's I'm you know completely rid of. But it was far more intense, and I'm just thankful that I'm not in that specific place anymore. It was very intense at that time. Yeah. So I decided to tell the audience that, just start off with that. Say, hey, I just is just I'm going through the worst period of my life, like in this moment, and I just wanted to backtrack a little bit and let you know how I got to this specific point here. And so I just kind of reverse back, and I I just touch on some various points uh, in my life. Uh, about growing up uh, and just explaining that mom was an alcoholic and when I was 19 she had uh, passed away suddenly. My brother, my oldest brother, uh, was struggling with depression ever since he was a teenager and he sort of started to go in a bit of a rapid decline, you know, since, since then. Not that my mother's death, you know, accelerated anything, but it just, maybe the focus of our attention went, went towards him. And then he wound up uh, killing himself uh, several years wow. after that. I didn't know what to do with that. I'd never really been where he was at. Um, I had never been in that place, so I never got it. I was five years younger than him. I was 25 when he died. And even at 25 years old, I was still just naive to the, to the, the notion that, that you know, someone could feel that badly. And so I was the most typical people being like, maybe you should exercise. And they're like, oh, you know, like I just had no idea what to, to do or say to that, to that person. Wow. And it was in my brother's death that I felt more empathy for my mother because I, you know, you, you, my brother never um, had any substance abuse. He, he didn't drink or smoke. He, he was like, like me. So my mom, she took all her sadness and her pain and you know, she was abused when she was a, a kid too by her alcoholic father. And she, she put a lot of that outward. She would drink and she would, you know, overindulge and then she would be angry and she just put all that pain out, out to everybody else. My brother Tim, though, just everything he just put on himself. And it just, it added and added and, and he just had this horrible negative opinion of himself. And, right, right. Um, each day passing by, just another day wasted that he, he didn't achieve what he was supposed to achieve. And, and it just kept on going like that. And I had no way, and we, we were super wow. close. Me and my two older brothers were, you know, very close growing up, you know, right into adulthood, closer than most, most siblings are. And uh, his passing was just, it was like everything else in my life, I was able to sort of look back and go, yeah, but, but you know, you know it's, it's, be, it's maybe the person that I am, and I can justify this, or... Well, you know, I came from, I came out of that stronger, that kind of thing. What doesn't kill you makes you whatever. Well, did you, did you, like, uh, in your, I don't, I don't want to step all over the, no, the, 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 the punch of what you, you set up, mm -hmm. but you had mentioned that, a, like, I guess a child services person came, or oh, was there, were yeah. there, so were there any, was there therapy, was there, like, Al-Anon, or other things, like, what, how did you, how did you, sure. like, come out of, of whatever, because it's like that's a lot for for a, a kid or anyone an adult to go through yeah how did you heal from that uh, I was uh, completely bereft of any of these things it was it was wild I didn't 
like I think this came a little bit from my my own father's philosophy. He was very just caged in Irish dude. I don't know. You know, his he just didn't talk about the things that ailed him very much at all. Um, so when the whole idea of going to like Al Anon, Al Teen, or whatever the thing was <laughs> available, I was like, what? I don't know, talk to some kids, whatever. What was super confusing to uh, like the, the child, um, like some of the social workers who might come by, is how well we were all doing in school. None of us were like drinking or smoking. We none of we all had straight A's. Uh, it was just this bizarre thing. <laughs> all right. three of us were doing pretty well. Seemed seemed like well-adjusted kids. Um, and for the most part, with we, a crippling self-esteem. We, <laughs> well, for the most part, we were. My brother Tim was struggling the most, and maybe Steve and myself were too young to like really start presenting some of that stuff. But we weren't, we weren't like lashing out in the ways that teens would typically do. So we always kind of got the you seem to be doing well and keep it up. And we, we really relied on each other too. That we had a great support system between the three of us, and we were smart. We felt like we were talented. My brother was a super talented musician. My other brother, um, he runs. A, he's actually a professional poker player now, which is is funny. And I, you know, had little budding talents here. We all had a little bit of something going on that that we held on to. That this was like our identity in a way. So, um, just to catch up back to to present, I after Tim had passed away, a lot of that a lot of that identity sort of went away for me because I had noticed that as as comedians notice at some point in their lives that we're like we're, we're trying to entertain people or we're trying to gather fans or make people happy and not 100% sure for to what end um like who are we trying to impress here <laughs> you know is, it, right, is right. it some father's love we never got or something right, people right. like they like to ask those questions even if in jest and i um i was always very happy to just make people happy i enjoyed that there wasn't there wasn't any question in my mind why it is that I wanted to be a performer. It wasn't some void. It was just like this is I feel good in my life. I'm comfortable with my situation. I had a girlfriend at the time, and I was like, this is all good. And when my brother passed away, then it started to hit me. I said, this is just bad. This is this is there is nothing redeemable about this. I don't care. This isn't like oh, it makes me who I am, and I'm stronger for it. Like I am I am weaker and sadder for this. This is. Everything about this is just terrible, and, right. my, and my family now—a a, a very a withering family—is just the three of us: just me, my brother, and my father, who all we all went in our own separate directions at that point. Wow. Now it was just you know my dad. He it's like he aged him like twenty years. He just became whatever he was going to become twenty years from now. Like that's what wow. It, that's he was what like it teleported like. to yeah wow. yeah like 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 you know how older people they'll get more. Uh, conservative over time, or they'll be distrustful of their neighbors, and just weird, weird little like cagey, get out of here, you know, kind of way. Wow! It just like hit him instantly. It's so, like PTSD. Yeah, yeah. So he just went so far in that direction. He didn't want to talk to anybody. He, he didn't, you know, like the neighbors. He, you know, his his republicanism like became stronger. It's really weird. It's just like this strange push in that whatever that was. And then my brother Steve, he went on like a. A sort of escapist you know reality for a long time whether it was psychedelics this or just you know kind of a, a a way to cope in his own way which he has now since come back from a bit um but 
but he was he was on that path too. He was like, oh, you know, this is this might be more of who I am. I kind of like this. I like this lifestyle, and I, I like these sort of people. But then it just, like I said, it just pushed him really far in that direction. Wow. And I was left in a place where I really didn't know what, you know, I I probably couldn't even tell you which direction I went into just because I am me. You'd have to ask maybe maybe my brother and my father to see what what whatever the hell they think I did. Right. Um. But I it but it was a time release kind of a bomb because I started uh, I was working at my restaurant job at the Olive Garden I was working there for a long time wow I started getting up to go to work there and I would just I would have these uh, whoo like I'd have these panic attacks almost daily right <laughs> and I wouldn't even I would I couldn't even explain them I was just like I was like oh, wow I'm just like sitting there I'm like mm. I was living with my girlfriend at the time I'm just like clutching my chest and I was like Oh, 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 weird morning. Like, okay. Or I'd be just crying every single morning, and I'm just like, yeah, all right. Oh, it's, oh God, I gotta go to work. <laughs> you know, just, wow. very strange. Well, this is all like, but it's grief. It's grief, but but it's like it's like if grief was never explained to you, and you just are going through it, you're like, that was weird. That was strange. It's like it's like getting erections for the first time as a kid. You're like, oh, what? I don't know what this is. Like, like you're having a trauma erection. Something. You're having a trauma, <laughs> trauma erection. Like, <laughs> I can't get this grief boner to go down. <laughs> there, now you yeah, have a I'm bit. Getting, I'm getting morning morning grief wood. <laughs> right. Every right. morning's waking up like, whoa, this is this is terrible. But without a without even so much of a title, I was just like. Ugh. All right, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, it was something that I sort of just locked away. You know, what's so weird is that the closest thing that I can liken it to is when my friend, uh, who came out to me, um, uh, many years ago, was describing what it was like to have, to be in the closet and to have these uh, uh, homosexual thoughts, but but not allow that to integrate into his everyday life. Right. So he would have you know you think about men, he'd even you know jerk off to men, and then after he's done, just yep, all right, that's in the trash, and so is that thought. Like, whew, uh, that was, uh, I don't know what that was. <laughs> oh <my laughs> all right, God. whatever. We go, all right, time for school. Like, right. You know, this wow. sort of just like that was that wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he described that years ago, and here I am having a, a oddly uh, parallel experience with my own. With my own grief, wow. where I am just experiencing it <clears throat> at some point during the day, in the mornings, almost always in the mornings, and then by nine or noon, I was just like, oh, God, what was that? And I go to work, like, hey, how are you? I'm like, oh, I'm good, I'm good, yeah, everything's fine. And, wow. and you had <clears> no, that away. you had no, no one, you weren't discussing it with anyone. You just kind of like, I'm gonna have a cry, and then better take a shower. Well, I would discuss it in a way that I would be, I'd be open to discuss it, but, but people are, are woefully um, under, uh, uh, ill-equipped to handle. You well, know, not, well, it's also socially, unless someone yeah, works in trauma right. or works in group mm -hmm. or is in a 12-step program yeah. or a men's support system or whatever support system, right. they wouldn't necessarily have the tools to, yeah. to witness you, to, to hold a space for you to just have your feelings without either fixing you or giving mm. you an answer. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, you'll be good. You know, yeah. you just, just, you know, fuck your way out or get some food. You want to drink something? You want to yeah. eat something? Yeah. Or they would, what would they do? They would say these weird things to you? That yeah, always. Uh, my, my boss notoriously, <laughs> I couldn't believe he said this. He's like, he comes up to me, he says, hey, hey, hey. you know, this is right after my, my brother dies. This is still very fresh. And he goes, uh, you know, I, uh, I, 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 
I understand that you probably don't want to uh, talk about this, and uh, so, you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and pretend like it didn't happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> and we could probably. And it was like, wait, what? Like maybe, 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 maybe I don't want to speak about it with you, my boss. Right? I, that's a fine assumption. But then to, to double down and say, so I'm gonna go ahead and just pretend like. Your brother didn't just kill himself, and we're going to go ahead and just live, live I on. I love it. That and is so like, ridiculous. All right. <laughs> but that was just one of many absurd reactions that I'm just like, well, that's fine. And and that was a very quick learning experience where I said, okay, I, I've always had the experience of, of knowing that um, telling people about my, my circumstances at home when I was a kid was always a bit of a, you know, you didn't really get a lot of headway there unless someone was used to that experience. So I had that going into this, and um, when the mother dies, that's people. People are used to that to some degree. You know, we all kind of somewhat expect that. And then with with this sibling death and the suicide on top of that, nobody was. Uh, that was really hard for anyone to navigate. So I was expecting um, that anyway. Uh, I with as far as the grief was concerned. Um, it was hard. I, I didn't know what I was I was doing, and I was just in a I was slipping without even knowing it into this deeper depression, and it was right. Um, and it was very tough for me to deal with. It's tough on my uh, relationship as well, and and we wound up uh, breaking up like at some point after about maybe like a year of this. We were we were living together, and also it was just wow. It was, it was I wasn't being the best version of me by any any stretch of the imagination. Um, and she wasn't either. She was. This was very stressful. For How her long too. have you been together before? We for nine years. It was a long time. Wow. So okay. There was a period of time where I thought I just need to figure myself out, and maybe you do too, and 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 we can see where life takes us at some point. Um, but then some time had passed, and I was exploring myself and and trying to just reconnect with why it is that I do any of the things that I do. Like losing my brother, it did lose so much of my identity like I explained that I was like what am I doing this for like I, I, it became clear to me that my wanting to succeed in life is part to prove to myself and to my brothers that we can we, we can persevere and we can make it out of this terrible situation and make something of it seeing the fact that he never would uh, and that I don't have anyone to share in my hopeful eventual successes with was you know was very hard on me and so I didn't want to do comedy, make any sense? What the fuck am I doing? Do I want to do stand up? Should I should I quit my job? Should I, you know, should I end my life? Like what the fuck? What do I what do I do right now? So it was very. All those questions were kind of swimming around my so mind. So you were doing stand up before? No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I've been doing stand up ever since I was like I did my very first set when I was fifteen years old for like a talent show. This is why I never made this connection like some comics do about performing stand-up and and trauma or or trying to work out pain or something that was never my my mo it was mean, never my but, but it's not that feeling right but it's also like but there's trauma when you're like zero years old <laughs> yeah if you're crying and no one holds you there's like programming <laughs> course, that yeah. happens i just mean consciously that was right, never you right. know the way comics would be like oh i do it because of this. this is my therapy 
that was never my thought. My thought was, I'm good. Like, I'm cool. I've, you know, that stuff is compartmentalized. I really want so, to so make what people happened? laugh. So what was your happen. comedy like when that happened? It was all, oh, uh, at, the, at what, this point when he passes away? Yeah. Like, uh, you just keep telling I just, just keep telling my yuck yucks, yeah. <laughs> oh I, had, <laughs> I had shows. It's, what's crazy is that that wasn't the worst period of my life. What was the worst period was um, after this relationship had ended and we, I felt like we were just learning things about ourselves. Like, she had moved on. She just did whatever. She was like, fine, I'm gone. Uh, uh, she went through her process and then eventually started dating other people. And when it was like, oh, this shit's over. Like, you're not even like, I thought we were <laughs> trying to find a way, our a way back to ourselves, to, to each other. And that wasn't the case at all. So that for some reason that like doubled down on this loss uh, feeling. Right, where I was right. Like, what? And connected to her was all so much of my past as well, uh, her and her family. And then how that, you know, how she, she, was there when my mother died she was there when my brother died wow it was like so there was losing that bit of my history for good was it just it it brought back every little bit of trauma and, and negative thing in my life and hit me harder than even the my brother thing it was crazy well and the, then i was like this but it is, makes sense because yeah. you still have she was alive and you still had some comfort yeah from yeah. someone who loved you and saw you and held you and like not just yeah. physically held you but like emotionally was a place yeah, to be held mm -hmm. so i imagine then when that it's like well now what oh <laughs> yeah. and now i have to feel like i yeah. had i had yeah. a situation where i went through a divorce a couple of years ago but i was in a rebound during and after my divorce and i thought oh this is fine i'm not rebounding i'm talking to my therapist and i'm like should i be doing but i realized like that was just like my it wasn't until that ended then everything fell apart i'm like yeah. But wasn't that 14 year divorce? No, no, no. This five month of enmeshment was like the sort of, it was like the flotation device I was on after the Titanic had sank. Right. And until right. that flotation de device, I mean, this is a story I tell myself that I'm paralleling to yours, but sure. like, yeah. until that one little thing that was you were holding on to mm -hmm. that was familiar, comfortable, and was keeping you, I don't know, keeping me afloat. Sure. Yeah. Then yeah. you're like, oh my God, now you felt it. Yeah. And this was, this was gnarly. I mean, it, it's so, so bad <laughs> that I, it, I, I'm getting a little just like anxious talking about it because of the knowledge that I'm like, this is not me. I, I'm not speaking about some, some, some distant trauma. I'm, I'm talking about something that I'm still right. like, right. no, 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 I'm, I'm teetering all the way. I, I'm so fearful of that healing <laughs> that I had for way too long I mean this was now so the little feelings that I had when my brother that was like oh this is, I don't understand this is this was just like every single day of my life <laughs> for just uh, countless hours just painful deep like right physical gut-wrenching like pain that manifested into physical pain crying every day and this went on for I, I'd have to check my notes, <laughs> right. but probably two years straight. Wow. I mean, two straight years when, of daily torture, and I was like, this, I can't believe I'm going through this so much. And it was in the midst of this, sorry, again, roundabout. Kate Wall. Yeah. It was in the midst of this that I was, oh, let's do, let's do this show, where I'd spend half my day just trying to prepare for the, the other half of my day. Um, I get little, tiny little bits of like relief, and it'll be at the end of my day. I usually I got home from work. It was like midnight, and from like midnight to one, I'd get like a snack, and I'd watch. Um, for some reason, I would watch clips of uh, 
Shark Tank. <laughs> it was the only <laughs> show. I don't know if you ever felt this. Emo- I couldn't but, watch dramas. I couldn't right, watch right, 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 televised right. anything that had stories. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do stories. I can't do stories. Right, but right. I could do Shark Tank. Right, it right. Was, it was like, okay, here's a, and I'd, they would still make me cry. I'd still right, like, watch right. Shark Tank. I'd be like, just, just give him the deal, man. Just give him the. <laughs> it's not a bad business. It's okay. She just wants to bake muffins. Like, just let her sell the muffins. Give her the two hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> just unbelievable. And uh, I was actually, I was going to a therapist for a short period of time at that, that I didn't really, I haven't liked any therapist I've been to. I hate it. I wish, I want to talk therapy up, but I just keep on hating everyone. Okay. <laughs> that, okay. That I go that's, to. that's valid. Whatever. Know. You, who knows? I'll keep, I'm going to, I'm going to more than trying. one journey. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to keep on hacking away at that. Uh, in case you're curious. So I was talking to this particular therapist and I was saying, I was talking about Shark Tank <laughs> and I was just crying. I'm sobbing in her office. I'm telling her about how I'm just watching, <laughs> I'm watching episodes of Shark Tank and she said the funniest and saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. She was like, well, she was dead serious. She's like, you know, I mean, at least you're not watching the same episodes of Shark Tank. <laughs> like, I'm not watching reruns, like repeats. And I am crying, laughing. I was like, do you know how fucking sad that would be for watching <laughs> the same episode of Shark Tank over Again, and over? Yeah, she still doesn't get the muffins. Can't she? Look, like give me her number. I'm going to follow her. I'm going to do a GoFundMe for her muffins. <laughs> pinpointed like that's where you lost him right there your valuation's too high that's what, <laughs> that's what it was <laughs> you're never going to get him on board with that <laughs> oh god it was like the fact that that popped into her head as something that was going to be comforting to me which I guess ultimately it was because it was so fucking funny right right uh, well I guess it's also trying to find one and this is like, a, like whether it's law of attraction or other forms of kind of consciousness it's like if I can find where, where I am now in this painful, negative situation, yeah. if I can find just the next little piece towards more positive. It doesn't yeah. have to be, and I have no more sadness. It's like, yeah, well, it, what's the one well, thing positive this. I can expand can on? on right, because it does Eternal. pull me out. Mm-mm. Like, I would do that when I was you know, going through my whole grief thing. I'm like, it's a beautiful sunrise. <laughs> but I would have one thing for a split That's second true. that I would feel. I'd go... Ooh, okay, I feel something. Or I, I'm going to go out with some friends. Or I, I did jokes. Oh, my God, I made a joke about my divorce, and it fucking hit. I was feeling dead inside, right. and I was able to do something yeah. other than back into the – because there was a period where I was just like – like the thing that like you were saying, Shark Tank. I'm like, ah, uh, I, I, I couldn't – I would just kind of go to my therapy or my men's group and go, I'm just going to cry about this. I'm going to do whatever. And just I want to give myself permission to have that. Yeah. Kind of like let the boner, the grief, the boner, grief boner, be released. <laughs> like I had to jerk off my my grief boner yeah. and get it, get, so it would go down. That's I could true. be in my life, and I can't cry about if it your or grief feel boner it. Lasts more than four hours. You right, know, right. See your therapist. Go your therapist. Go get a baseball bat and beat the grief out. Right. Or find a way to. I mean, I'd be beating anger, but then find, just, or even just in the men's group, we'd be just okay. I'm gonna sit on it. Everyone just form a, uh, a, a like a, a a ledge, and I'm gonna lay on everyone's laps and yeah. cry. Yeah. That was all it was. I just want you all to just sit here with me, and I'm gonna cry. Yeah. And for men, that has just never been modeled. Sure. No. No. Right. I mean, my dad was very. My parents were very strict. My dad was always very. So, I didn't have. I didn't know that that was an option. Right. Just like it was to me. It was like grief was this. You know, like you were talking about the grief of like, kind of coming. I was like, I'm giving coming out of my own like, 
oh, am I trying to be perfect? I'm supposed to be perfect. I'm fine. I have food and water and I have feet. Yeah. Why the fuck am I complaining? Right. Like I had this all this because my parents really did survive trauma in World War Two and villages being burned and babies and bodies all everywhere. So they, that was our we would say grace and that was our way of like trauma grief gratitude where you're like well here are all these horrible things that we've seen so that's our gratitude list we don't see those today like okay great i have no reference of how to have myself right, right. like you're you had no reference of how to process grief because no one's shown you and your dad just went off and yeah. did his thing and your brother okay. went became hardcore <laughs> poker uh i'm uh anyone yeah dick joke or you know <laughs> family friendly joke that's yuck yuck and not you know how right. did you so you did her so you did her thing you did kate wolf's so i did kate wolf's show um and what i prepared was um a little bit about my mother a little bit about my brother and then a little bit about this uh breakup as well whatever that meant to me uh, at the time and and i had little funny stories all, all there in between um and I was still a performer. I still get things. I've written a lot of pieces, uh, sketches, and TV shows, and scripts and stuff. So, you know, I was proud of the fact that oh, let me just do this ten minutes. I'm gonna bring them up and down. And, uh, it was so oh, the, the the reaction. This wasn't a huge turnout, and you know, maybe a quarter of the room was filled, uh, but the twenty five or so people that were there were just like, uh, the reaction was so real and so genuine. And they all came out afterwards, and and they were like. One woman gave me a hug, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, okay, that's a, that's a really nice, that's nice. And it just, it, it started to fuel me, and I went, okay, this is this is something. This is a different expression. Right, it gave you a different yeah. dimension to how you write and what you, how you create. I was super grateful for the show because it allowed me to go longer without getting a laugh. I mean, the audience was prepped for something that could be more heavy. And you know, I'm at a nightclub. You want to get a laugh every every thirty seconds. Someone should be laughing. But right. in this case, it was good. I could tell a story. It wouldn't have to be that way. So it still took me a long time from there, mostly because I wasn't getting a whole lot done. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how productive you are when you're when you're going through the worst of it. But uh, I was still maintaining myself that I wasn't like doing bigger projects. And so then, over the past few months, I have been able to get back to the drawing board and, and use that those comedy chops that I have, my joke writing ability, and then start filtering in these other stories as well, some of which I jotted down while I was going through the worst of it. So I, I have that emotional you know, sense there and I can maybe tap back into that. But uh, I didn't want, and I don't know how you feel about this, but sometimes uh, I'll, I'll describe it to friends where it's like, when I hear a comedian friend of mine saying, oh, I'm working on this, uh, that's gonna be for my one man show. That's usually code for this isn't funny. Like, right, 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 <laughs> this right, right, right. It right. doesn't work. This isn't working. I don't know why. <laughs> so since this story isn't funny, I will. I believe it's dramatic, and I will. I will include it in a one man show. So I've. Always, I kept on being like hesitant to say that I'm working on a one man show because I didn't want that to be code for just not funny. So I made a promise to myself. I said I. I want to develop this show. I want to be able to talk about these things, but. I needed to pass the nightclub test. Right. I needed right. to be able to do it at Greenwich, as you saw, how you know, a couple weeks ago. Ten minute spot, twelve minute spot, fifteen minute spot, something like that. If I can't do it in front of these crowds and justify it and have them laugh, then I'm like, mm, no, that's not what right. I want. Doesn't I, have legs. I, I, right. It doesn't right. have you know, 
I need it to. It's got to get to that altitude. It's got to be, you know, water water resist, not just water resistant, but waterproof to like <laughs> yes. twenty thousand feet. Exactly. And then it's right. solid. If, uh, right. Yeah, it's just like the North Face jackets. If, if, right. If, if, <laughs> right. If they can't, you know, if you die on Mount Everest, <laughs> or if you can't get it here, you're gonna die at Mount Everest. So you better <laughs> be ready to get up there. Right. Right. And that's that was the real. So that I don't know how long that took. Forty five minutes, or whatever. That, that was the real <laughs> inception to what it is that I'm trying to accomplish now. And this journey, now we can talk about comedy. Uh, this journey, once I decided to do this, has been uh, eye-opening and very interesting to me because now I realize that just as people did not know how to handle me when I was explaining to them my passing of my brother or any other circumstance, here they are. Now they are in mass in the audience and I have to go through this again and explain to people my life uh, trauma that's happened to me, have them experience it, go through that emotional realization, and then be able to laugh at it in, in short order, in a pretty quick, Yeah, you tight, know. tight. Well, you talk about, cause I, you, I, I, I so Still wanna get, get the to story. <laughs> I wanna get the story. You were 16, yeah. and the whole, what, the setup was your dad? Was your dad so, saying? Uh, so one, one story that I've been able to, yeah, let's check that. <laughs> yeah. One story that I've been able to uh, get out, and it's sort of, what I see as being the end of Act One, if we're going to call it this, because I talk about my mother as a as when I, as I was a kid growing up, uh, and how <laughs> I kind of got her when I was a kid. She made sense to me. I was a child. She was an alcoholic. We're both trying to get away with shit. My whole childhood was like, "What are you doing? Like, what are you doing?" Like, ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were like, ah, I'm watching you. Yeah, so we're I'm on the same page. I'm watching you too, unconsciously, <laughs> mom. I'm absorbing everything you're doing, and I'm adapting based on that. So if you're gonna hold me accountable. I'm gonna hold you accountable, but we're gonna do it in passive aggressive ways. Right. So I'll come out sideways and fuck up all my relationships with adults. But thank you for the premise. <laughs> so I was doing that, and then as a as a teenager now it's a different stage now i'm just like realizing how different i am than other kids and uh the line that i use is like it's funny because we'll hang out with friends and you know they tell stories we'd all laugh i'd tell stories they'd be like you want to stay at my house like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like oh is that not is that not normal uh, <laughs> well what's a not normal what's a not normal story that they always put well away? that's it uh that i actually struggled trying to tell i was telling this story you, you've heard this on stage where when i was 14 years old i came home and my mom uh, had pr purchased a, a birthday cake for me and she put it in the fridge. And then I go out and hang with some friends. She'd been drinking. I come back later and she's just gone, passed out, done. And the cake is also gone. And it's, I see it and it's just like the cardboard and the crumbs like under between her and the couch kind of wedged. And I was like, you ate, you, you ate the cake, the whole thing? And I'm just like, forget the fact that it was my birthday. Like even if it was her cake, her birthday, that's insane behavior. That's just a weird, no celebration, no nothing. I had a guy in the audience one time be like, was it an ice cream cake? And I'm like, oh, you're missing the point of this. So I'm like, you're not paying attention to what. <laughs> was it an ice cream cake? Because I have ADD and I like to binge. Cold liquids. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I'll actually tell, oh gosh, a mini story behind that. That's what I say on stage. Uh, uh, no one really yelled that out. 
But uh, I did t- Leah Bonima and I talked about this because Leah said I've eaten entire ice cream cakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she was so it was so funny the conversation because we all was like it's not a matter of can you eat a cake. I was like I'm sure it's easier to eat an ice cream cake. It was a real cake by the way. It's just, just it was cakey with egg yolk and everything. I've eaten whole sheet. It was a sheet cake. It was just like one of those. It was like a long, a giant. Wow. But I'd be, but I'd be just like. I do the story of like, oh, I'm going to have a glass of water with every bite so I don't eat the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, an hour later, like, that whole thing was gone. It's <laughs> really funny. And I'm like, did I? I, I rationalized it. it. was carrot cake, so there's vegetables in uh, there. Oh, that's true. I mean, that's because I mean, the people, different people have different stories of coping. Some right. people do poker and cocaine. I do vegetables and I, whatever vegetable is my entry point. That's right. So, so so anyway so so yeah so so you know that's the story on stage the real stories we talked I talked about the comic and then I incorporated that because I thought it was so funny <laughs> I'm like what difference does it make <laughs> we're not talking about can you physically eat a cake on your own we all can maybe I was like it's funny that she ate mine you know yeah and uh, or that she'd do it alone so I elaborate on that story uh, uh, that's all part of the, the act as well but then the story that you were chatting about is when I'm now 16 years old. So then I, I allow the audience to know, hey, that was when I was a kid. This is when I was like a young teen. But now, now like the, the, the real consequences of this are kind of coming out. You know, when you're 16 years old, then you start to realize, hey, this is fucked up. You know, you, you're, you, this, this is bullshit what you're doing. And that's when you start, you know, I should have been acting out more. I should have been smoking and drinking and doing all the shit that, that 15, 16-year-old kids start doing when they're, especially when they're rebelling. Um, but I didn't, I, uh, I didn't have a rebellious. There was rebelling was doing well. I guess rebelling was like I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna do great. Right, despite but, you. But but that's <sighs> that's that's not uncommon. Like mm-hmm. there are survivors of such trauma. They either go into drugs, drinking, or they become perfect Over achievers. achievers yeah. Like you hear a lot of these stories of super achievers yeah. that are billionaires because you know. Because that was their coping. Yeah. That's how they 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 clung to something. Right. That was the way they could you could numb like, out did you with see drugs. The Alex Honnold. Uh, Documentary, the, the, what? Free, the free climbing, what was that? Free, oh, uh, Alex Honnold climbing, uh, right, 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 right. You know, um, but it's a way to cope. You can yeah, numb out with drugs, you can numb out with workaholism achievement. Yeah, I've done it. I, I'm a survivor, that's how I did it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I totally. So then, that. so this came up. So now 16. at 16, uh, my dad comes to me, he's at his wits' end, and he says, uh, he says, you know, Robert, you're the last uh, minor left in the house. So, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're home and, and your mother's drinking, she has to, you, if you call the police, they have to take her away. Like, legally, they, she's not allowed to do that. And then he's like, well, I got to go to work, and he just leaves. <gasps> and I was like. So that's really how he said it. Yeah, yeah. He really was, uh, you know, he just kind of drops that information on me. He doesn't elaborate. You know, you know and, and I, I could have prodded him more but that's just not the way he was i just that it was very clear to me that like hey just so you know like he just that's, he, that's, he handed you a sledgehammer and yeah. a watermelon said if you want to hit this <laughs> whatever yeah whatever i'm, I'm just be home i'm not home but there's a watermelon and a yeah. sledgehammer whatever so i don't act on this right away but there was a time and you know maybe a couple months later so a couple um, months later you yeah the time that. frame is not clear to me but i remember it was not immediately after and one day i am home with her and she has been drinking and uh, she's in a bad place. She's in like the angry and mobile uh, place. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm like, when you're that, it's like, you wish they would just drink more or drink less because it's like, I wish you were just passed out now as opposed to being angry and, and moving around. And uh, so now I'm going to tell two versions of this. There's what I say on stage. It's, it's the same thing, but this is what I've been struggling with. So the real story is, is that 
she comes at me in the hallway. She, I decide to let her do whatever she was going to do because she was really pissed at me. And she grabs me. She chokes me. And she's got fingernails, and she kind of digs in. She can break skin on my neck a little bit and a few spots. And I, I kind of look at her, and I felt sorry for her because I decided, I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the police. And I was like, I got more than enough here now. Uh, I've got visible marks. We've been through this before. The cops have been in my house a number of oh, times. Oh, they have through, been. Through various, you know, uh, little domestic violence calls and stuff like that. So I was savvy enough to know what it is that the cops are looking for. Yeah, they they're just going to be like, "Was your speech slow?" Like, I can't say my mom's drunk. They have to, they have to write it in the report. You know, she, her speech was slurred. She was uncoordinated. She blah, blah, blah. Right. just say I she have, was drunk. She broke my skin. With yeah. Her so, nail. so when they came over, they asked me those kinds of questions, and I knew what I was doing. I said, "Yeah, well, you know, she did this, she did that. Speech was slurred. She blah blah blah." Um, and so they take her away. And that's it. And so you're home alone now. I am home alone. You're now, a minor yeah. and you're home alone. I, I'm but minor you're 16. I'm not concerned. Yeah. Uh, so the reason I say I'm, I've got two stories here is because you know I'm not really concerned. In in on stage, uh, I got a pretty decent laugh when I say I talk about the cops. I say the cops they actually moved pretty quickly. Uh, I called. They came right over and <laughs> they asked me a couple questions and gone. And as you might suspect of cops. Really quick on the action, not so great with the follow-through because they told me nothing. This is true. They just left with her, and I was just like, "Am I, am I, am I an orphan now? Like, what's going on? I have no idea what's going on. Like, I, I, I'm just alone. They didn't even leave me a pamphlet. Like, so you've been abandoned. Like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so your mom was taken away by the cops. <laughs> mom was taken away by and the you're cops. home alone. I'm and you're alone. And, but and your dad's gonna come home from work or something. My dad will come home eventually. Okay, because in the joke, it's like. I just thought, well, what happened? Because now yeah. <laughs> there's no one in the house. Wait, so you, yeah. the dad set it up. So the dad's gonna come home eventually. Yeah. So this is this what you're witnessing or what you witnessed is me still just kind of fumbling through finding the best way to tell this story to an audience and 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 to answer those questions that they have. So I've already decided I need to let them know that that yes, I'm home alone now, but I, I know. I just, I just express on stage now that I'm fearful. I don't know what to tell my dad, but I know he'll come home eventually and we'll, we'll chat this out. So, um, yeah. Now dad will finally love me. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it too. I, I also struggle. Uh, I'm trying to find the best way to introduce him as a, as a character, we'll call it, because he, uh, the, his only flaw is is just not knowing what to do. It's just not knowing how to deal with this. He was, right. I, oh, he's 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 been super kind to me, supportive of me. Uh, right, uh, but that's genuinely good. But but that's father. but that's a great character defect of yeah. being a people pleaser. Yeah. So he's like a doormat that helps everyone except himself yeah. or his family because he <laughs> doesn't understand how to set a boundary. Yeah. Right. And and he's and this is a woman he's been with since he was like fourteen years old, and so he wants a way out. He wants to figure out how to solve this problem. He was very scared of divorce too because there's just there's just such a light, low like you know having a custody battle with with this woman seemed crazy to him. You know, he'd probably lose the house. He had, he'd have to move out and maybe see us on the weekends, like like the way the law is concerned, right? Right, right, right. Despite maybe even us testifying, saying, no, she's drunk all the time. Like, even that might, might not happen. Right, you After, don't know. You he's don't had know. consultations with lawyers, and, and they're like, uh. <laughs> right. As the man here, I don't think you should do that. If, you're the, if, if, if you like your house and your kids. Right, and if you're the earner. Yeah, right. So that was the other thing. So he was like, I know that that was in his mind. Uh, I never really broke that down with him, but I know that was in his mind right, about right. not getting just a divorce. And then 
what do you, what do you, what else do you do? He's he's called the cops every time he felt like it was needed, but that was that was the thing. Right. They were always like, oh, I can't handle your wife, eh, Mr. Ryan. You know what's the problem? You know, cops right. coming over, Long Island cops coming over to see right, the guy. Right, right, right. Like, She's hurting me. <laughs> right, right. But that's why he told me he's like, look, if you call, don't take it seriously. <laughs> right. I can't call, but you can call. Right. So that's why he he passed it on to me, and I'm, wow. and I'm a smart kid. I, that's the thing. So so in the stand up. What I ultimately revealed to the audience is that I, so when a woman, see a child protective services woman comes over uh, and she lays this out for me. She's like, hey, do you, uh, do you want, oh, I'm sorry. The, there's an order of protection immediately. So because of the, because of the assault or abuse, we're going to call it, she has six months of a restraining order from me. But that can be renewed for another six months if I so choose. Wow. So, so with a restraining order, where does she end up going? So originally when she gets arrested, she gets arraigned after that. And then she goes to a rehab for 30 days, uh, like a court-mandated uh, rehabilitation center. After the rehab is up, then— So she's locked up in a rehab. Yeah. And then wow. after that, she has six months in—she's she's like allowed six months in a halfway home. Or, or maybe she has to go there. Halfway did, did home. Did she have a day job? Nah, not at this she, point. She, she was, was always kind of like working little odd jobs. If she had a job at that point, I don't know. I actually don't 100% remember. But I don't believe she did. Okay. Um, she just worked various places. Um, working at Kohl's and working at this, you know, something that you could probably, you know, Kohl's lose their employees to rehab all the time. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love you, Kohl's. Why? Why is she not here? Oh, wait, which <laughs> which 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 employees in rehab right now? <laughs> oh, we know that one. Oh, she's probably with Daria, okay. right? Oh, they should be back by May, actually. Yeah, so, yeah thirty you days. Can, you can go to rehab in May. We'll have. Yeah. Uh, we'll oh, have she'll be there in the same one with Daria, right? Right? Is it is it is it a Crystal Crystal Lake? What's the name of that rehab place? <laughs> yeah, it's just a revolving door. Right. 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 Kohl's nice. Sponsored by. <laughs> oh my God! So she was off for thirty days, but after thirty days, she then goes to, uh, she goes to halfway, house. halfway house. Uh, so she has no contact with you. No. And then what? So your family. So I was allowed to see her. I never did. Well, well, I understand why. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. But that's the thing. So I, I kind of reveal this too. I don't even know where my emotions are at. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm well, because you're sixteen, and I know, your mom. I know, but I felt sociopathic in this way. That's the thing. When she was choking me, I wasn't doing it like I'm scared of my mom. I was just like, I mean, you gotta go. You gotta. You're well, right. at that point, <laughs> it's but time at that, to go, but, right? But, but imagine the, the it was very the, methodical. But imagine the amount of trauma you had to already experience to the point where you're like, okay, my mom's gonna. I'm gonna let her choke me. I'm gonna let her choke me till there's breaking skin and blood, right. so that I can stop this. There, yeah. There's a certain. My actual there's a certain because I mean I can't. I needed evidence. Right, right. You know? like, That's like weird. for me, I had a similar situation where you know I there was a lot of physical and emotional abuse from my father who was a rage hog. He didn't drink, yeah. but his drug was like the rage. He would just yeah. lose it, and it wasn't until I ran away from home because he broke skin, he bro cut a plate on my arm, and you know I ran away from home. But the cops came, and instead, my mom made it about me and blamed me. So, I, oh you know, it, it wasn't if I had called the cops, I didn't know. If you had called me and told me, <laughs> I would have called right there and said, boom, and then they would have had to do something. Yeah. But it was all turned around, and my mom said, don't ever do that again. And so that's how it kept it all yeah. contained. I'm like, fuck. But because I ran away from home, it stopped. Because he was like, shit, the cops came. I get my mm -hmm. shit together. That's a good point. So I can get angry, I just can't hit. I can't cut, 
arms anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which was like, it, but my parents loved me. Yeah. So it's this weird, yeah. how do I, like this, not the similar, but this idea that I don't understand fully what's happening or how to navigate mm-hmm. now that that's been removed. You know, was yeah. just you and your dad at home? Your, your brothers had already moved out? Uh, yeah, my brother Steve, so I'm 16. My brother's 19, so that means he's at Binghamton. He's at, he's at college. My brother Tim is 21. He uh, he struggles. He was in and out of different colleges. He may have been actually at Binghamton with my brother at this point. Is that possible? No, I think it's a little early. So I think he may have had been at Binghamton or maybe a five-town college. He was bouncing around. But there were times when he was living back home. At this point, he was not. Um, wow, so your dad comes home, and what do you, what's yeah. the scene when your dad comes home? Like, hey, dad, so... <laughs> I wish I remembered this clearer. I don't no. have much of a memory of it, but not because it was traumatic, but rather because it was mundane. I don't remember it because it wasn't, it was, it wasn't something that he's... Oh, jeez, I can't believe... It so was, he would come home often, and she wouldn't be home. We, she, so he didn't even ask. Yeah, we, we've been through uh, worse and weirder situations. There was so, like, kind of harping on, which I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell this whole story. No, at least, the, at least there's give no it that. limit. There's no <laughs> limit. I want the story. I don't when care. When I was in fifth grade, um, my mom, this is this whole story is so weird because I missed, like, the actual actions of it. I don't know exactly what happened, but I have to take my dad's sort of account for this, is that she was super drunk, really mad, same thing, angry and drinking. And she comes upstairs for whatever reason to threaten my father with a knife. And the way he described it, he's in his room and he hears her cursing and barreling up the stairs, drunkenly. So it's nighttime, it's dark, and as soon as she gets to the threshold of the door, he just like pushes past her to not let him be sort of cornered in the room. She stumbles backwards, trips over this like Ederge piece that's at the top of the stairs, and tumbles and falls down the stairs with the knife in her hand and she actually like cuts herself pretty uh, not deep but 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 wide with this knife wow now she's bleeding and she's drunk and she does not miss when we finally wake up and i'm looking and there's just blood everywhere there's just blood on the floor and on the phone it was really weird just like you know if you're trying to dexter this and piece this together just based on blood alone i'm like what the fuck happened here uh, at one point, she's quiet, and I see her, and she's just sort of like nursing her wound, and she's sitting on the cordless phone. We have cordless, uh, and the phone is also she. Um, what she do? It's like, it's turned on. So, if any listeners are young, <laughs> to get to get a sense of what a cordless phone. Oh, the, right. the mechanics of the cordless phone when you have multiple phones in the house. Oh. So she turned the phone on. And it went long enough with the dial tone where now it is, Dead. you know, and eh, 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 doing uh-huh. that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you can't make an outgoing phone call even with the other phone. Because you have to hang that phone up. You have up. to hang this phone up. So she has the phone on and it's no longer able to make outgoing calls and she's sitting on it. So now you're trapped. You can't make a call out for help. Yeah. And she just doesn't want, she doesn't want the 911 call. She assumes in her mind that she will go to jail or or something. I'm not sure. Oh. So what you have to do is actually go unplug the cordless phone so that it'll be dead and then you can have your phone back. Yeah, something yeah. Else, something I'm already like planning the yeah, I'm yeah. already planning the escape <laughs> going back 20 years. You're welcome. Oh my god. Why didn't you just do that? Hey, why did you try? Uh, right, right. Why, try. why didn't you block the planes before they hit the World Trade Center? God. Uh, so my so we eventually do you get the phone from her, or maybe we do that. You know, some something. We were savvy, and we get the we call nine one one, 
they take her away in an ambulance. This, this was even weirder because they take her away in the ambulance and the cops take my father to right. jail. Because they want, they think that they and tried to again, kill him. again, no follow through. This was, I'm in fifth grade. I don't have the wherewithal that I had when I was 16. So there was no... There's... I'm very confused. <laughs> right. I so, really don't so know the cops do. assumed that they tried to, she, he tried to kill her. Yeah. No and question just, of what Yeah, there was no... There was in, no blood alcohol level. She... What wound up happening is that they had... Uh, uh, according to my mom, they sort of coerced her into signing this statement that effectively said that. Wow, that he that had tried she to... she later, but in the moment, she's like, yeah, that's what happened, kind of thing. Wow. And my dad is just like, I can't believe you. <laughs> like... I can't believe you signed this thing saying that, you know, we had an altercation and that was the result of that, you know. And my dad, he was like, it was so funny the things he was focused on. There's no on. blood on him, right? No, there was no blood on him. Uh, also, like, he was he was very focused on where the wound was. And it's like, uh, you know, I would have had to with my left hand because it was on her right side or something like that he's like i would have had to with my off hand do the, like he's like it doesn't make any sense but her holding it with her dominant hand and then like doing the thing that happened makes a lot of sense but me doing this awkward stab thing there's not a stab either it's like this uh, whatever he was just like he was trying to prove something when he's like i know what happened but but he was trying to disprove the, the other thing right, right 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 um but that was wild so now he's in jail and he has to, like, you know, he might be facing trial, which eventually it never happens. But he's in jail for a week. And a week? Mom, a week, yeah. So then who's taking care of you guys? No one's taking care of So, well, Wait, she, goes so the the, kids... she goes to the hospital, and she gets stitched up, and she's released within a day. But then Wait, but she just where, comes home. Where yeah. were you guys for the for a day? You're alone with no parents? Yeah, we just woke up the next day and went to school, and we didn't, there was nothing else. We knew that, How we, did we, you we, eat? We were in a, I don't know, how do we normally eat? Like, we don't, it was so... We were just so feral, feral back then. We just, <laughs> ah, we just oh scrounged around for things and I you know, hug you steal now. money and go oh buy stuff. Um, luckily, my dad was working, but there was there was always at least some money. You know that was okay. There was there was you know he was working hard, and so my mom might have cash that we'd like steal and go to McDonald's or something, or we'd have a little bit saved up here and there. And, you know, if you go to school, you get fed there. Uh, friends might help us out. So it's really weird. I, I don't wow. know why. But that was always the kind yeah, of... Yeah, mom, dad's like in jail system. right now and mom's in the hospital. You guys, can we eat? You guys have any <laughs> yeah. peanut butter and jelly? Like, how do you have that conversation with your friends? I, I don't know. You know, my, my closest friends, my friend Sean McQuillan and the other guy, Paul Palat, we would hang out a lot. Sean was older, so I, I guess if I'm 10, he's like 15 now. and uh, We would just walk around. We'd go to local Burger Kings, McDonald's, hang out. You know, figure out a way to eat eat there. Um, school lunches were always super cheap. You know, if if not, we could figure that out. Quarter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and yeah, even fast food wasn't like we were, we had to go through a bunch in the week to feed ourselves. But that week was gnarly because she got back from the hospital. And she just went on a bender. I mean, she was just drunk every day for the next week. She didn't even like not even clo- like really passed out. Just I think she never even came to whatever she was going through in that in that period of time which is also hard to fathom i really have no idea i couldn't imagine i can't imagine getting so you guys would just she'd just be there and you'd get up you yeah, go, to, go to school brush your teeth because you change outfits and go to school yeah yeah we do all that stuff so you know uh, th- that was the only routine that i was aware of i liked going to school nothing about that so it wasn't it wasn't in my mind to be like you know oh great we get to cut school that's where all my other friends were at that point fifth sixth seventh grade right everyone's trying to break the rules and i'm like cares you know? right because you want some yeah. structure you have no rules at home <laughs> yeah i was like why you know because we're like oh i'm gonna smoke a cigarette i'm like 
smoke a cigarette. My mom just got fucking stabbed yesterday. <laughs> like, you guys are punks. Like, I felt it was just, I was way too mature comparatively to some of these kids and what they were experience, experiencing for the first time. Um, the worst that I ever got was I, I started stealing my mom's cigarettes and I would sell them to the other seventh graders. So, oh my God. Sell them for a Did you smoke piece. at all? No, I never So did. you were just dealing it just for dealing. what? The rush, the fun, the friendships? <laughs> a little bit of money. And and just a little bit, yeah, bragging rights a bit too. I admit, I thought I was I thought I was being pretty badass and cool, that I was like I was smart enough to smell, sell cigarettes for a dollar a piece. A dollar, a buck a piece. That, which at the time was was not, now they are a dollar a piece. Right, 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 right. <laughs> now right. I'm not even breaking even, but right, back right. Then, no. <laughs> but back, back then, then it was like maybe seven fifty for a pack or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. And how many in a pack? Twelve. Uh, I think it was twenty in a pack. Twenty. Okay. Okay. But I never bought them. I just steal them. <laughs> so right, steal right, them right, mom, right. Okay. Say. So how funny! Uh, point is that 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 story, uh, yeah, I I I broke down crying one day because I was um, I was I was just cleaning my room. You know, I was definitely I was definitely doing the thing that you're saying. I was like, order, order. Let's just right. Let's clean. Right. I, that's something I can control. Whatever. And right. I remember I came across this ruler that it was like we bought from. Uh, as a souvenir from the uh, planetarium that my dad took me to one time. It was just me and him going to the planetarium. And I'm cleaning, and I see this ruler, and then I just break down in, in tears because I'm home alone. My mom's well, alone. My mom's like passed out drunk. And I don't even know where my dad is because he doesn't even call the house because he has to call – uh, he actually calls his father-in-law. He calls my, my grandpa Harry um, to get bail because he says his bail's at $10,000. And he figured that uh, Harry was probably the only one who could probably put – Wow. And so he calls him, and he eventually gets the money, but it takes him a little while. So it took him about a week for him to eventually get uh, back home. And, and then what happens if you get bail? Well, is there a trial? Is there a, would they drop uh, charges? It was yeah, absolutely a waiting a waiting trial, and he would get the money back oh, if God. you're if you're acquitted or whatever. But ultimately, it was my mom's changing her testimony and saying that no, this didn't really that didn't happen that way. Jeez, uh, that you know made that go away. But it was that was a fiasco. So. Uh, this whole thing is to maybe I should put that in the show at some point too. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> wow. Need, or just get, get it out of your system so system, you, you right. could be. Can you get to this? You know. Well, that's just it. The the real thing that I was uh, excited to talk about today with another comic was was not the stories necessarily themselves, but how to tell the stories in such a way that isn't just interesting and fun and engaging to an audience, which is nice, but then also to genuinely make it funny and to genuinely right. get people to laugh at right. it. So right. they felt like they saw something funny and cathartic and they can, you know, and I, I got a little piece of that feeling from that when I did Kate Wolf's show and I thought, I, I think I can do this. I'm a good enough comic now. I'm a good enough joke writer. I have a good enough sense of audiences and, and entertainment that I can... I believe I can make this happen and also offer something in the way of um, – I just did a show not long ago. It was at New York Comedy Club. It was last week. Um, I had a roast battle at 1030. I had the early show at 8. Um, uh, Maddie Smith was hosting. She was doing a great job, mm, mm, and yeah. she was being high energy and quick-witted uh, and quippy with everybody. Packed rooms, like 105 people in the room, maybe more, and I was doing the bullet spot. I only had 10 minutes. And I wanted to do this material. I kept on making a promise to myself. Like, you're not going to bail on doing this material. I don't care if it's eight people, or if it's 100. I don't care if they're old or young. Like, you have to keep working this material. You're never, it will never grow. Right, right. So I was like, God damn it. Bullet spot. Crowd's not even one drink in yet. 
they're they're jazzed up and rowdy, and I'm about to like I don't even know hit them with something that's weird and offbeat. But I do it, and I have to do it in ten minutes. And I want to end with oh, this explain, story. Explain bullet spot. Oh, I'm sorry. Sure. Uh, so the bullet spot is the first spot after the host. Host right. goes up there, does eight or ten or twelve minutes, and then the very first comic that they bring up is the bullet spot. It's not an uh, enviable position because the crowd's particularly not ready and settled into a show just yet. Yeah. What makes it weird for me is that Maddie was actually doing a particularly good job as the host, but she was doing it in a very you know uh, high energy. Uh, you know, almost sticky way to the point where it's like, okay, right now, here's your, you know, here's yeah, your yeah, stack, yeah. Rob Ryan. I was like, hey. <laughs> so, so uh, I only have 10 minutes, but I want to I get you to My mom was in jail. My dad had yeah. stabbed him, but he did it. <laughs> where if that was a sandwich somewhere in the middle of the show, maybe. It, right, maybe right, right, right. Oh, right. yeah, they could take a break. So, uh, but I was able to do it. And I was able to do it. I got all the laughs. I just really killed that night. It was really fun. And then a, a full-on two-hour show happened. And, you know, Maddie did great. I think Osama Siddiqui was on the show, and he did great. Yeah. Rel Battles on the show, he did great. Andrew Schultz showed up. He did a spot. He did great. And so these are comics, uh, for those of you who don't know, just very varied, and they all have different things to say, and it was a long show. And then afterwards, people are pouring out, and one after another, they're all saying, great job, and they remember who I was and what I said. Two different groups of people. One of them said that my, my parents were uh, drug addicts. Another one said this stuff hit really close to home for me. Right, but right. She was like, no, it was great. It was great. It was very funny. It just, just you know, wow, like really personal for me. And so after this long, very funny show, people remembered the first comic that came on doing only 10 minutes, and, uh, and it really resonated with them. And they remembered what it is that I said. Right, uh, and right. it spoke to at least two groups of people and hopefully even more. So I know that I'm on the right path. I know I'm doing a good thing uh, comedically, entertainment-wise, something. Uh, and I just want to continue to figure out how to do that. It's been a journey for me to figure out not just how to make it okay for myself. I feel like I've been there for some time. But it's been the hardest thing has been to figure out exactly how to say it to an audience. And make right. them feel comfortable right. as well. Right. Um, That's a real craft. And that is, and I feel so, it's so nice because I feel like this is what the work of stand-up comedy is to me. This is why I like it. Uh, I was just talking last night. I did the show last night for eight people at uh, Comics. Have you ever been there? Oh. It's a huge room. It, it can fit like two oh, people. Oh, can I get Yeah, yeah, So yeah. there's eight people in there. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so we go out there, or ten, there's ten. We can do the show. <laughs> I got this comics out of I don't bail. Here. I said, no, I'm doing it. And I got about 22 minutes worth of this stuff in. Um, <coughs> it's some of it a little scattered because then I have to jump around a bit. I have a joke about suicide. I have a joke about whatever. Um, and I, I, so towards the end, it's like not really a um, narrative as much as, like, well, here's something, here's something, here's something. Right, right. But I was chatting with the other comics and saying, you know what's so weird is that when I say abuse, that's a really tough word for people to swallow. They don't like that word. It, it hurts them. But abusive... It's actually kind of funny. <laughs> no right, one really right. minds abusive. It's like, oh, he's an abusive parent. It's like, ah, I've heard that. But like abuse, the act of it is terrifying. But as an adjective describing the abuser, it's it's almost funny. And so it's these little small battles that I have to keep on fighting. It's navigating the the nuance of what can I, how do I tell the truth and not lose them? Yeah. And, and, uh, when I, so when I got to the story that I was telling you about the restraining order, 
um, one thing that I do is people don't like when things get physical. It's weird. And once I mentioned that she, you know, she would hit me, so hit and strike all that stuff, that's bad. That's out <laughs> for audiences to quickly get into a funny place. Right, right. Um, they don't like fighting and hitting, but they don't mind like self-defense or, or, you know, something, some, you know, or we have, we've had scuffles, <laughs> you know, stuff like that, weird language. And I found a line that works consistently now, which I really like uh, because I want to, well, I need to make a joke and I want them to laugh at it without, without thinking too hard about the visuals of what's going on. So I say now, I say, you know, I'm in a narrow hallway. My mom's sort of barreling after me, but I'm 16 years old now. So it's not like you know, right. we, we've had some scuffles in the past, but it, you know this is a different scenario. And then I say, you know, there comes a time in every abusive parent's life when they got to look themselves in the mirror and wonder if they still got it. Right, <laughs> right. Because now, now you're empowered. We're not worried for you. Yeah. And by saying that line and making some more of these boxing references, I was like, there's a lot of talent coming through the living room, and you know she's got to wonder if she should hang up the gloves and da 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 da. So now I'm alluding to this. You know, abuse, abuse of but, past, but I'm just doing it in this metaphor that people can finally uh, justify themselves laughing at, and that's that's the fun of the art. And once right. I found that, I was like, great, this is this is the joke. I can explain to you what's going on without you just being like, oh, I don't want to hear this. Right, <laughs> right, right. No, because I, I I know that I, I do a line where I say, you know, I came up with an A minus, mm-hmm. and my dad beat the crap out of me. The audiences drop. Yeah, it's silent. It's I go well. Technically, he took away my sewing machine, but it felt like he was beating. And then I just do that thing, and they're all like, "Oh God!" Now they're all, it's, but I can't. I couldn't yeah. just say he beat me, yeah, and then go on to something else because people can't, like you said, right. like you can't, you yeah. just can't do that. Now, did he actually beat the crap out of you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, but well, don't you feel I mean, like in that joke that you're letting them off the hook because because in their minds they can leave the show thinking. That in reality, I think was they one. all know shit happened, okay, but because right. I did that, they gave them an excuse to go. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> totally fine, totally fine, whatever. Right. You know, because right. I know that the audiences—that's a lot to, 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 to yeah. say, as you know. So but you the try- rules that I'm trying to create for myself is hard. I'm trying to thread a needle where I'm saying I don't want to let them off, let them off the hook. I don't want them to think uh, 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 that something didn't happen or that it was it was better than it was. However. I want there to be the laughs, and I want to make sure that I can say it in such a way that they are okay with it. So they just have to live through some of these experiences faster and get through them quicker without me, yeah, like effectively letting them off the hook. And so that's been some of the fun, but also the struggle too. So uh, we're, we're caught back up to the story here, and the woman after six months of the restraining order comes back, the Child Protective Services, and she comes to me and she asks me if I want to have her come back home or if I want her gone for another six months. And uh, that's up to me. And I don't have to go to court. I don't have to sign papers. I don't have to talk to a judge. Right. Just say the word and she's gone. And I uh, and I, I, I take the extra six months. I say, yeah, let's do it. I don't, you know, okay. And honestly, it was a bit of a snap call for me. I said, yeah, I mean, well, come, come back. <laughs> Why? For what? Like, like right, right, right. No, More this, of that. This flew by. You know, we should we should do this. And I'm already 16, so it's like almost pushing into like senior year. Like like how much won't have much time left before I go to college. So I just I opt for that. And uh, I know that I'm being, you know, purposeful. It's kind of like what we describe with the you know with the choking and the breaking the skin. Like I know what I'm doing in my mind. I'm I'm clear headed. 
So I felt badly because the woman's being like, if you're afraid, you know, if you don't want this, it's totally okay. I don't feel that. I'm just like, yeah, she should. Like, I want to punish her in a way. Right, right, right. So on stage, the way I tell this story is, uh, again, I want to tell it in a funny way, but I want to explain the reality of it. I don't want to let myself off the hook for what really went on. So uh, I say, I don't know if you guys are familiar with restraining orders, but after six months, they send a nice lady over, and I just be, I become the nice lady. I'm like, hey, buddy, hey, hey, do you think you want your, uh, you know, you want your mom to come back? It's like, if you don't want that, she, that's totally cool. You know, she doesn't have to, but it's totally up to you. And and I embellish a little bit. I say, even at 16, even at that time, I was like, this is way too much power to be giving to me. Like, I, I felt like I just go through a bunch of examples. I felt like King Joffrey at this moment. I felt like right, right, right. one of these Japanese emperor kids or like the warden right. at Shawshank. Like, this right, is right, too right. much power. And then I sheepishly say to the audience, I say, I'll be honest, I, I, I re-upped. I did. I, uh, I took the uh, <laughs> I took the extended contract. And I say, I know... I said the first time was necessary. It had to happen, truly. Like it, it, she was a danger to herself and, and others. Uh, the second time, eh, I don't know if I just wanted a fun summer. I don't, I'm not right, 100% right. convinced. And uh, the audience really likes that. I also mentioned too. I said even if I was a regular, even if I had regular parents at 16, I might still be like, ah, oh, fuck it, get rid of them. Like 16, right. that's crazy. So the audience really enjoys the fact that I I am sort of honest in that moment and say like, I don't know, man. Like, I just don't know. I, I think what I did was... Yeah, no, but it's great. Because I was watching that. I, I want, but now I want the rest of it. So what <laughs> happened after the year? Where What happened when she returned? Uh, so... What did she look like? Well, this was really weird. And She's I now love, sober? She's not she's had any... She's sober. Yeah, she is sober. Uh, as far as I can... T- as far as I know. I mean, right? they're not monitored. She's not required in, to go to 12-step or in uh, the, AA in the, or... In the halfway house, they monitor her. But after she's... So... so happened is 30 days in rehab six months in a halfway house so after seven months she's got five more months of this restraining order but nowhere to live because they kick her out after after six so months where does she house. live for five months she went to her parents house for a bit and i don't know why or how she overstayed her welcome there but but at some point she she couldn't stay there anymore which was bizarre to me you know now as an adult thinking about it as a kid i just heard oh well she's not there anymore now she's somewhere else as an adult i'm like can't hack it for five months with your with your parents why <laughs> what 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 were you doing it, it really is weird to me and and i wish i had better information on like what that was like then she moved in with her friend mary uh who lived in town uh not too far from us and she lived there for a while and but then so a year goes by and then what it wasn't a year she one day i come home from school and she's just in the den and she so maybe she overstayed her welcome at Mary's house too. I don't know how that happens either. Good friend of yours, like how long? I don't know. Was she? Well, she's a junkie or whatever. I guess so. She right? Have, she doesn't have the skills now that she's sober. It doesn't mean like now that you stop drinking, you're going to be an amazing person. You have to deal with all the wounds. Yeah. You're recovering and flooding with alcohol. Yeah. So that's true. she's in the house. You come so now home. she's in the house and she looks like fucking. She looks like a like a, a raccoon that found their way into your face. Oh my basement. god, so she looks a mess. You know, she just looks like she looks like an animal that's like, you know, it's like it's warm. It's warm in here. Just like, you know, it's winter time, it's warm. I just, you know, don't 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 So it's winter time you come home and uh it may have been winter time. I just mean to say that the oh, uh, the urgency this is the image of it. Right, right, right. She right. was just like, don't she's like, don't call it don't call the police. They said they, it was such a weird place. She's so, like, so they said is, that they said that you're afraid of me. You're not afraid of me, are you? You're not really afraid of me, honey, just don't call the police. And I was like 
Yeah. And she like she was smart. She pretty much like called my bluff. She made a I think a calculated decision to think that if I just show up and behave, like he's not gonna be so vindictive to call the police. Wait, so this is already after the year. This is not after the year. This if it was after a year, she was legally allowed to come home. This is after eight months. So she has like maybe three or four months left oh on the restraining order. Oh my god. Room. So she just comes back and figures that she's like, just don't do and say anything. And I was like, okay. Because I was. I did feel that way. I was like, fine. Like, you know, you've been wow. through, you've been the rehab and a halfway house and your parents' house and Mary's house. So like, you've been to four different places in the last, you know, eight months. And now you're just like, can I please just sleep here? So she's what sleeping in the basement or in the yeah, house? Yeah, she, it's she, like a little den. It's fine. She's not even. She was we, living there. She she didn't like not like take up the space. She just was promising not to drink and not to cause issues and and. and, and then what was happening with her and your dad? Um, was he was he like the were you the oh, best? He was. Uh, I guess he was just kind of like, well, if it's okay with Robert, it's okay with me. It wasn't a big deal, you know. He he knew this wasn't a long term, lifelong solution anyway. This was just. I mean, plus he just rolls with too many punches. He just whatever. Right. Well, he's an abuse survivor. This is <laughs> yeah. still an upgrade. Yeah. No, it's true. So he's just you know. At least she's not drinking. She wasn't drinking, and she and she stayed not drinking for a while. And she's had one other good bout of sober uh, tendencies after actually the 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 other incident. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think there was a period of time where she was uh, she was sober for a bit, um, and then she remained sober for some time. Um, it may have been actually a good portion of. Uh, I'd have to check this honestly because i can't remember fully but i think that that carried over into the next year so i must have been 17 now so yeah i think she was sober for the rest of my senior year in that regard until i went to college i was away at school and i noticed that she was she was drunk at some point shortly after i left the house so it was like that you know september and i said uh okay so you're just drinking again like yeah it's fine like whatever like what am i gonna do now I'm, you know, almost 18 and, and I'm in school and I'm like, yeah, okay. And so she just starts up again like that. Um, she never came to my college. She never visited me. I never had her there. Uh, what I kind made, of, would you have conversations with her after that? Like, yeah, what? yeah, we talk. I wouldn't, I was very, I just had Because no I mean, I just imagine you sent her off to like Alcatraz for yeah. eight months and then she comes, you're not mad at me now. I just escaped and I'm here, but shh, don't tell anyone. I mean, how do you transition into, okay, so what do you want for breakfast? Did she yeah, make right. you breakfast? Did she? No, she was never a big breakfast maker. Or did she ever all. make meals at all? Who, who, who fed you? Um, I guess when I was younger, she was making more meals to some degree. But that's, uh, so when you're, when she's my dad, returned. My dad would far more often come home from work at like six or seven. So he worked, like, hey, made the money. Did your mother, did your mother do anything? And be like, no, no, she's drunk. Ah, oh, all right, she's okay. Uh, oh, well, I'm gonna get a pizza. Yeah, okay, cool. And that, that would be a lot of the nights, any nights that she was, you know, drunk. If she was sober, then you know, maybe she'd busy herself making some some food or something like that. Yeah, or she'd have work because sometimes you know, like or odd jobs here and there. And those jobs were very weird. So if it was Coles or something else, for example, then she would just be at work. And then we have some money maybe to go do some things and. We had some kind of a, my dad was keeping us with an allowance of sorts, so it was enough to, you know, feed ourselves if that's what we wanted to spend our allowance on. I mean, the way you talk to me is so, I'm like, there's a part of me going, oh my God! And you're like, yeah, and there were like trees and there were butterflies, and I hugged my bunny. And um, yeah, and she was totally fucked up. And she came back from Alcatraz, and yeah, so I had pizza a lot. I mean, it was like, oh my God, like, no wonder you freaked out when the fucking 
because it's like he just haven't had time to process yeah. trauma. Yeah, and, and that was my, my childhood. I wasn't really aware of what, what was what was going on. Yeah, and uh, uh, my the biggest thing to come out of that was my was the the information campaign that my mother had led for her family. I have no idea how the stories got filtered out to them, but my dad didn't really talk. They didn't really ask me, so my mom would give them information. So she had so her own propaganda aunt, story. Yeah, my Aunt Debbie was really mad at me for a long time because of what I did to my mother. Oh, and my like, God. Unbelievable. But but that's what the what, position like that you, she took. Like she said you set her up? She just couldn't believe that I, that I yeah, whatever I did, sent her away, whatever. I mean, she just beyond oblivious, like to the point where I'm like, you have no idea what's really going on. <laughs> like, right. we don't talk to you that much about it. And if Linda's telling you her side of the story, then fine. Which was gnarly because, big reveal here, my mother, when she was 19 years old, testified in court against my biological grandfather who was an alcoholic and who was abusive to get him uh, out of the house to protect her younger sister, Debbie, who was nine years old at the time. And so my mother, as an adult, goes ahead and does this. Uh, um, while I think my mother and grand my grandmother and grandfather were going through, you know, like a separation and or divorce or whatever. And so that is, you see, my mom basically testified to say, well, we shouldn't get custody and this, this, and that. And so me and my mom never got a chance to sit down and be like, I mean, that's funny. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a whole joke in itself. Right? I mean, you get it. That's crazy. Kettle black. <laughs> oh, I can't. You can, you can you say that. But I can't? I can't. That's What's well, good for the abuse survivor is not good for the abusee. Okay. Abuse, right. wait, wait, so there's a whole, like, yeah, come up. Comeuppance does not count. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that is there is something funny there. I haven't found a way to make that funny, but uh, yeah, that's that's clearly important. wow, wow, so, how so, rich! It's so rich. And my mom, I mean, whether she appreciates the irony or not, uh, my 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 aunt really didn't like. My aunt really like. She Which even, was your aunt Debbie? Yeah, she. Even so she like, was protecting her, and then she's fucking. Well, that's her own. That's yeah. her own survival. This is my that's story. Putting on hers. That's her survival mechanism to blame you yeah. and shame you because she can't accept that she had her. Because then she have to really live with the trauma she had. Yeah. So if I just make someone else wrong, then I don't have to deal with what happened. Yeah. I mean, this is my no, I get that. coping it, it all, tool. I love it. And then we had pizza. Pizza. We never really got a chance. Okay, so when she started drinking it, I just drew lines in the sand and I told her pretty point blank. I said, I was like, look, if you're going to do this now, now that we've been through all this and now you're drinking again, I said, I, don't, I can't, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to like acknowledge you really in, in, until you show active, purposeful, you know, meaningful change in your life. Um, what was funny was that she was going to AA. She was doing these meetings. She had a therapist. She was going to talk to them. But it was all nonsense because she was just drinking all the while, uh, which is what wow. made me come up with one of my one of my first jokes I ever came up with and told. I was like, I was oh. sixteen or seventeen uh, when I and I like I said I did my first stand up set when I was fifteen. And I started hitting clubs when I was like sixteen, and I have a joke about um, the twelve step program. Uh, and I said she went to the twelve steps to stop drinking. I said apparently not one of those steps is stop drinking. That's a, right, which is right. That's a good one. They should definitely like throw that one in there. 
and like the top first top top, <laughs> just top like three top three like definitely just to get the ball rolling and people people like that joke uh and that was super real i remember thinking that at the moment i was like like are you allowed to go to these <laughs> do they know that you're casually getting bombed on the weekends and stuff so i was always very flummoxed by that so at some point i, I told her that i was like we're i have to cut you off until something and things never got better from there. I was 19, it was my sophomore year at college when I got a call that she passed away. Um, just random, suddenly, um, not even 100% sure, just more just abuse to her body over the years. Right, I mean, imagine if she's putting all that poison in, yeah. your kidney can only do so much until right. it's, you know, concrete. Yeah. So that was that was the end of it, and I said, oh. And I, I, I never, you know, uh, I mean, I was ignoring her, it was like, I went to school, we didn't chat, but I'd come home for months at a time. So we'd be living in the same house, but I would just be like, hey, no, you know, I'm not gonna engage unless it's, if we need something from each other, fine, but otherwise, like, wow. you're not gonna act like my mom, and you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna try to pull rank on me in some kind of way, like we're, we're this thing's done until we show some, some real Wow, steps. good for you. you. How did you get to that place? You, you weren't doing Al-Anon, you weren't doing no, therapy? No, doing anything like that, that was just my, decision your feral sobriety you just sort of <laughs> came to that yeah and oh my God. again the reason behind it was I, I i i thought that it was probably a healthier thing for me but also it was just like i don't i don't my brother steve for example he would get pulled in he'd get sucked in and let right. down over and over, and over right he'd keep and, going know, back yeah and just like oh like no i could talk to her this time i really think right you know, so steve would date all these unavailable women that couldn't show up <laughs> I mean. yeah so he was just like no no she's she's gonna change this time i'm like uh, it's like you know you don't talk to her but i talk to her i really think i got through to her i'm like all right man, that's cool like good for you like that's great wow like, that's not where i'm at that's not what i'm doing i'm like i'm i'm out and uh, it was weird. I was it was unfortunate because my friends asked me. You know, they're like, "Are you?" Oh, before she died, actually, they asked me. They said, "Would you be sad if your mom died?" Here's one thing that was weird. Notoriously, for some reason, they thought that I wasn't like emotional. <laughs> they thought that I just the way you're sounding. They're like, "Why are you? Why are you like this?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, we have pizza." <laughs> they thought that I wasn't. You know, I wasn't like. And and it was kind of a weird thing to explain to my sixteen year old friends at the time. Where I was like, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. One, two is like the things that, no offense to you guys, but the things I feel like you go through, I, I don't care as much about, or like it doesn't seem. You're like, yeah, so and so called me a name. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Like my mom I'm, choked me I'm twice. Confused as to I was what, nearly choked to death by my mother, and you so were, just, you know, you had to eat your vegetables. Go fuck yourself. So I was like, there's a little bit of that going on for sure. Where I just, I think scale wise, there's just not much that's going to phase me. And uh, I wasn't aware of whatever it is I was bottling up for sure. I wasn't unaware, uh, uh, completely aware of what was going on. But then my friends asked me, they said, would you cry? And they, they never seen me cry. They are like, would you cry if your mom died? It was a weird question to ask. I remember it was like a sleepover. And I was like, would you be sad? Was another one. I was like, I would be sad. I don't know if I'd cry. I don't, I don't know. I can't tell, predict. But I would be sad more so that she never got better. Like if she mm. died, then that would mean that 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 was the end of her life. This was the trajectory of her life until right, her ending. There was right. no redemption story in there. Right. So that would make me sad. Yeah. And this was when I was like around 16 and friends with them. And then a few years later, yeah, I, I felt the same way. I said, things are undeniably and objectively better for almost everybody involved. <laughs> it's just better for my dad. It's better for my brothers. It's better for me, truly. Um, 
I'm sure it's sad for my father more than anyone else, but it's just, it's gotta be better. And so I knew that, but I was sad that I said, oh, this is like, this was her life. She just got worse and worse and worse until she died. And that was, that was the end of it. Well, it's a and disease. Really Alcoholism is a disease. And I felt really bad about that. And it wasn't through, it wasn't until I saw my brother go through the worst of his depression that I really, as an adult, because I'm 16, 17, I'm not like able to process this stuff uh, well. Now that I'm 24, 25, seeing my brother go through the worst of it, uh, I really started to to rekindle and regain this like sadness and love and appreciation for what it is that my mom was truly going through. And things I just couldn't fathom, like being being so depressed and so sad and lonely and feeling like a failure all the time and your kids are yelling at you and your husband's mad at you and you're just constantly just going back to the one thing that makes sense and you're drinking and it just makes things worse and you can't tell the truth to your family and it's just you know and then having that get worse and worse to the point where your kid <laughs> kicks you out of your own house for a while like I just can't imagine as an adult now living in this world Imagining some shitty kid kicking me out of my house. <laughs> right. I'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, right. just the shit that I'd have to go. I just felt so like, wow, she really was going through some, right. some terrible, terrible emotional uh, state that I really wasn't able to appreciate. I shouldn't, shouldn't have to, but I just wasn't able to. Seeing my brother go through it really made me sad all over again for, for her. And then seeing it wreck him as well, but in a very different way. Um, instead, he just got worn to a shell until he eventually took his own life instead of, uh, wow. instead of this longer, more drawn-out, slow, bleed-out process that my, my mom kind of went through. Right, um, right. And so there, uh, there's, there's that. That's, that's the majority of that. The next, the next plan for the rest of me trying to make comedy of this is, uh, was just continue on with the story i've only ended with what you've seen about right maybe, maybe the, res the restraining maybe 20, order and the punch after in. that right right you know, right if i'm generous maybe 15 if i keep it tight yeah uh, so now how can people find you so um, what are your handles and rob and ryan rocks is my everything that's my twitter and instagram and r-o-b-r-y-a-n rocks r-o-c-k-s yeah and my uh you know website as well and uh Hopefully, uh, this this is what the next big project will be. I need to start figuring out ways to promote it because when I do finally get the hour, it doesn't feel actually good for me to to do this hour as a headliner. Weirdly, I don't know if you, you should you could talk me out of this, but I feel <laughs> uncomfortable it being like, oh, here's Saturday night, random comic you don't know, and then you show up to the show. And this is the show. Well, this is your Hannah Gadsby. Who cares? I, I suppose, yes. But this I'm, is your I'm just saying, in this moment, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. I well, because it's like so to. vulnerable, and it's not done yet. But it <laughs> I will... feel bad for them. Well, but you're, but you're want to caretake them because yeah. that's just, you're a survivor <laughs> of alcoholism, and yeah. you're the caretaking people pleaser rescuer. Because mm -hmm. your brother showed you. <laughs> well, this time she's gonna get it. So you're like, well, this time the audience is gonna tell you. I'm like, no, you gotta. Like, I'm already doing my own Al-Anon codependent <laughs> rescue of your next that's, one headliner yeah. <laughs> situation. Like, no, no. <laughs> we're gonna go fund me. We're gonna take you. To but I want to. I want to. I want to like like what's it called uh, market it as its own thing i want to you know i think it might 
be better suited to take it to some like small black box theater or something and try and promote it that way. Whatever, but I don't know. I, I have no actual idea how it works. So, it, but just the next write, just tell me, your truth. Just I'm gonna keep writing. Just keep writing it. Keep getting it out there. Oh my god! Once it's long enough, it'll be remarkable if I could. Honest, like what it would be really remarkable is, is if I just get booked for like a fucking weekend in, in Allentown, you know, <laughs> to, to headline and they show up and I'm just like, well, this is this is my hour. Deal yeah, but it. if you could make, make 45 minutes as tight as you've made that 15, that's you're true. fine. That's true. I, it's that's ridiculous. My I don't think I can but because it, the stories get worse. Right. You no, can, I just heard them. I heard and they get harder to make funny, so I don't right. want, and I don't want to um part of the, this whole threading the needle thing. I don't want to undercut it. I don't like some suicide jokes because I'm like, you're not dealing with it. You're putting it at arm's length. You're making fun of it. I want the audience to be able to laugh with me. I want them, us to process and deal and then it be funny because we've dealt as opposed to where some comics are like, <laughs> kill yourself, right? And I'm like, eh, no, I don't want to do that. So I don't know. But I, I think re- it's I great because you're, you're sitting in this Petri dish of like, how can that be? You're, you're putting in the ingredients. I've seen your 15, so I can't wait we will follow you on Instagram and on oh, every or on every single piece of whatever. If we, oh, we could, could we could come back. Well, again? let's come let's come back like, in, like a year. in six I wanna, months to a year. Let's see in a, yeah. six months to a year. I want to yeah. hear the rest. Oh, that'd be really uh, cool. You know, and I'm if, serious because if, if, if I'm not done with this in a year, I'd be mad at myself. Yeah, <laughs> and I kill myself. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Oh my god, I did not. Is, oh my god, loving space, safe space. Oh my god, you heard it here first. Your honor, your honor. It was a podcast. I was joking. You can watch the tape. The this tape. is for you, Kiyomko. <laughs> Safe space. Oh, no, I think it's beautiful what you're pioneering for yourself and for other people, other survivors of alcoholism. Whether you're in a program or not, this is the journey, and everyone finds their way to healing. And I, fi- it was great watching your 15. I cannot wait to see Thank your 45. You so much. I really appreciate so, it. So uh, I'm Rich Kamko, W T Y P O D com. It's Rob Ryan Rocks. We'll have links. Uh, give us a review. Check him out, and all the best to you. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, man. Oh, you. Awesome. I love you. Yay. W-T-Y. It's a comedy journey.